Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Ah, I didn't hear you. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Yes, and uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Stephen, and I'm privileged to serve here and privileged to regularly get a chance to stand up here and bring God's Word to us this morning. And I really pray that that is how you receive it. You know, we can be here, we can go through the motions, but we have a God that entered our world, and we have a God who wants to speak to us this morning. Amen? Amen. So imagine you were tasked with introducing the greatest king ever to the world. I mean, this is an opportunity for showing the world his glory. This is the opportunity for showing the world this king's might and his power. And so you're going to be thinking, if you're in event management or something like that, you're going to be thinking about opulence and you're going to be thinking about extravagance and just showcasing how great and mighty and wealthy and powerful this king is, right? Now, we don't regularly get to see these kinds of things, but apparently earlier this year, we, we had a, a very extravagant coronation, and it was for the Thai king. And uh, his crown is, was 7.3 kilograms of pure gold. That's seven times heavier than Queen Elizabeth's crown, studded with diamonds and precious stones. Uh, he also has a, he was given a nine-tiered umbrella. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like opulence to you, but apparently this sits above his throne and it's a symbol of his royalty, kind of hinting towards his divine royalty. All right, and then you get his 40,000 at the coronation, the, the 40,000 security personnel. And, and then, I mean, this must be a, 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 in fact, it is a sort of Thai Buddhist thing. There was a thousand streams of water that went over his head in his ablution ceremony. And once you put all of this together, the cost of his ceremony was around $31 million. All right, so that's kind of the benchmark. So you're tasked with introducing the greatest king to the world. And, and this is where your headspace is going to be. This is not KFC. This is not normal willies and, and normal pick and pay serviettes. This is about opulence and extravagance. But Christmas is a story about how the greatest king of the world was introduced to us. And it's not what you might have expected. And so in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 7, this is how we see the king of the world introduced to us. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. There was a bit of a census, and so he went back to his hometown. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now I know we know the story. And I know we know how the story ends. But you just got to try and understand this is the greatest king of the world being introduced to us. And it is, you know, his family's from Nazareth. It's happening in Israel. If you know anything about what was going on in this time, you could have said, well, what about Rome? I mean, Rome was this incredible empire and Caesars and palaces and wealth. And if you're going to introduce a king to the world, that's where you go, right? Oh, okay, you know, Israel, maybe it's more of the religious sense of the world. So, so then you go to Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem, that's where the temple is. That's where the power is. That's where the politicking is. But no, his family comes from Nazareth. 
in Galilee. It's kind of like a farming community. And, and I, I actually, this is true. You know, the people in the south in Jerusalem thought that people from Galilee spoke funny. It's kind of the way the people in the north think the, the way the people in the south speak here in Johannesburg. And then Jesus was born in a manger, literally a feeding trough because there was no room for the greatest king in the world. And he was born in obscurity and he was born in lowliness. He was born literally amongst farm animals. Just to kind of help with your imagination, that's kind of like a guy announcing he's the president of the United States. But without a campaign, without a poll, he's not from New York where all the money is. He's not from Hollywood where all the fame is. He's not from DC where all the power is. And he actually starts in kind of some little rural towns in Arkansas or, or Texas, just announcing, I'm the president of the United States. That's kind of strange, right? Goes against our defaults in this. And then the story of Christmas is not simply about maybe some humble beginnings and, and a later rise to glory. In fact, the scriptures tell us very quickly that right at the beginning, this was the king. And so just a few verses later, we actually see, uh, uh, we sang about it, we, we heard about it. Uh, some shepherds are just biding their own business and doing their own thing, looking after some sheep. And these angels come to them and we see this in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And today, the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, just a few quick things about this verse. The angels come to these shepherds and they say that this is good news. Now, some of you may know, sorry for the, for the uh, language lesson, but uh, the New Testament was written in Greek. And, and the word good news here is the word evangelion, which is the word gospel. In other words, right from the beginning, the angels are saying, this is the gospel of the king. This is the good news for the whole world. And he's not just any king. He's not just king of Israel. He's not just king of Judea or Galilee. He is king of the whole world. And so look at his titles here. He is called the Christ. You may have heard the word Messiah. That Christ is simply Greek for Messiah. He is the king. And in case you missed it, he's not just Christ, he is Christ the Lord. This is the good news of the king who was born. Good news for the whole world. Now there's something very interesting going on here. I've already apologized for the language lesson. Now I'm gonna apologize for the history lesson. I know it's Christmas day and you're like, listen, Stephen, I, I don't know if I can handle that, but, but here we go. You see, about five years before that, Another announcement was made, and more in line with what I was talking about earlier. Announcement was made about the birth of a king, except this was the birth of Caesar Augustus. And we actually have an inscription recording this announcement. Uh, the inscription was found in the city of Prien, which is kind of Turkey, major city back then in the Roman Empire. You can find the inscription today in the Berlin Museum. And this announcement about this king, Caesar Augustus, this is what this inscription says. It says, the birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of the good news for the world that came through him. Now, I mentioned earlier the New Testament was written in Greek. Any guesses what this was written in? Greek. Any guesses what good news is in Greek? Gospel. 
All right, this is the birth of a divine God in their minds, and in their minds, this is a gospel. This is a good news, not just for the Roman Empire, but for the whole world. Because in their mind, the birth of this Caesar meant peace and justice for the entire world. Now, can you just see the parallels there? Can you see that both claims are claims about a king, not just any king? Both claims are claims about a divine king, but also good news for the whole world through whom will come peace and justice. But going back to the big announcement to the world, the the only difference going on here is, well, there's many differences, but the one big difference is when it comes to the very human king, Caesar Augustus, man, that would have been as you expected I can only imagine the opulence. I can only imagine how much money and effort was put into the announcements of this king. And then you get the announcements of the true divine king. Obscurity, lowliness, such humble beginnings. I mentioned at the beginning of our time together that if you were thinking about introducing to the king of the world, you're actually gonna be thinking about what you wanna communicate about the king. And most of us are gonna default, hey, we wanna communicate how powerful this king is. We wanna communicate how great and, and wealthy this king is and how mighty he is. And, and the same is true of the Christmas story. Except in the Christmas story, God didn't choose to impress us and awe us and even cow us under his power and his glory, but he chose to reveal how he wanted to be known and the extent to which he wanted to be known. And so instead of coming in and intimidating us, he comes in and he says, listen, I'm coming into your world and I'm coming in humble ways and in lowly ways because I want to be known and I want to know. And I want to be known by you and I want to know you. And that is essentially what the Christmas story is about. Now, to give you an idea of one of the many things that I believe God is wanting to communicate through the Christmas story to us. And there's always gonna be many things, which is why every year we get to preach new sermons about the same story because there's so much going on here. But uh, um, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples, the Apostle John. The Apostle John was described in the Scriptures as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he writes a number of letters in the New Testament. One of the letters he wrote is 1 John. And at the beginning, he opens up with these words. 1 John 1, verses 1 to 3. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, we testify to it, we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. I mean, he's just trying to go to great pains to show you, listen, this king, this moment in history where God entered our world, man, and we're not talking about mythology, we're not just talking about I heard that this happened, he's saying, I've seen it. 
And, and I've I touched him and I've sat with him and I've eaten with him and I've fellowship with him. And he's going to great pains to show you how Jesus was among him, a very real person, a very real king among him. And immediately that sets this king apart from Caesar. Because you don't get to sit down and have dinner with Caesar. You don't get to touch Caesar. If you do, that is the last thing you do before someone chops your head off. Right? You don't even get to see Caesar except for maybe from a distance separated from tons of security and tons of very scary looking gladiatorial type soldiers. And yet John says, but but the true king, the true good news of the king is that I, I did get to touch him. I did get to sit with him. And then he goes on to explain kind of what this means. So from verse three, he says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also, so that you also may have fellowship with us. Fellowship, friendship, intimacy, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to you to make our joy complete. In other words, what John is trying to say is the kind of ways that I've got to know this king, I want you to know this king in the same way. And John didn't just have this knowledge about this king. Oh, you know, the Christmas story and a few facts about him. No, he says, no, no, listen, the way I've touched him, the way I've engaged with him, the way I sat with him, the way I have fellowship with him, and somehow the mystery of God's divinity as I have fellowship with Jesus, at the same time, somehow I'm having fellowship with God in heaven. I want that for you. But I want you to know it to the same degree that I knew it. Now, if you've been at Riverside for any period of time, you'll know that I often talk about the difference between knowing things about something and, and knowing the thing. And so... I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to bring onto stage one of my favorite chocolates. In case you cannot see, it's a Dairy Milk Mint Crisp. I know it's a very lowly chocolate. There are far more expensive chocolates than this, but this is one of my favorites. And so um, I'm just going to take some time. This is my Christmas present to myself. And uh, the reason why I like this chocolate is because it's um, very smooth. You know, not too overpowering. The minty bits are like little presents of mintiness in the middle of the chocolate. Nice crunch, nice texture. Um, so who said sharing is caring? Rosso, come up here. I want to share the love. All right. There we go, sharing is caring. No, 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 you're not getting off that lightly. Put it in your mouth. Oh, okay. Are you feeling what I'm feeling? Are you tasting what I'm tasting? Just tell us about how good it is. It's so good. (laughs) Okay, I've got a bit more love to share. Uh, We need some kids, some kids who love chocolate. Are there kids who love chocolate? Right, all right. Uh, Vince, Vince is a kid who loves chocolate. Vince, come up up here. Uh, Vince is going to taste some chocolate. And then I'm going to give to the first five kids to come up here and touch the platform. Awesome. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, you guys, you guys, sorry, buddy, but you guys are going to get some chocolate, all right?
But you guys can also share, right? It is Christmas after all. And the last piece is for me. Here's the deal. This chocolate is awesome. You guys don't need to taste it though. Do you know why you don't need to taste it? Because I told you about it. I've told you about how creamy it is. I've told you about the crunchy bits. And that should be good enough for you, right? And you're like, no. All right, that's not good enough for me because I want to taste what you told me about. And that is what Christmas is about. Where Jesus was saying, it's not enough for you. And this is what the Apostle John is saying. It's not for you just to know a few things about this God and and somehow self-deceive yourself that that's enough. John is saying, I've tasted the chocolate. He walked among us. I know him. I don't just know about him. And that's what I want for you. I don't just want you to know a few facts about Jesus. I want you to really know him. There's chocolate all over my iPad, okay? So Christmas is about the God who wants to be known. Now, this is so important. Keep your thinking caps on because if you had to ask a million people who is God, you're probably gonna get a million different responses. Some of your responses are gonna be, what God? I mean, there's no such thing as God. Some of your responses are gonna be, which God? Because there's millions of them, right? And so as you ask people just walking around planet Earth, who is God? You're gonna get answers ranging from there is no God to there are millions of them to I am God to uh, some form of God is up there. He's unknowable. We live our life down here. And man, he's up there and he's just and this kind of old man in the sky. And we just kind of hope we live our lives so that when we die, we can go and be with him. And so if you ask, you know, but how do you know these things about God? Well, again, you're gonna get a range of answers. Some people are gonna say, well, you can't know anything about God. Others are gonna say, well, you know, some wise old sage or some wise old prophet sat in a cave or you know, had a dream or whatever, and, and this is how we know it's handed down to us, maybe given to us in some scriptures or given to us in some mythology. That's how we know about God. And so all the answers about how do you know these things about God, either we can't know or, man, we've sort of tried to figure out a few things about who God is. We've done our best. But the Christian claim and the claim of Christmas is that that's not how we know God. The, Christ, the Christmas claim is that God entered our world and revealed himself to us. There's a very famous Eastern parable about six men who were blindfolded and walked into a room. In the middle of a room was an elephant. These blindfolded men had no idea. And so they were asked, you know, just move forward and describe what you feel. And so the one blindfolded man, he goes up and he feels the, the side of the elephant. And he says, no, it's a small room. It's just I'm touching a wall now. Another guy touches the leg and, oh, I think there's a tree here. Another guy touches the tusk. He says, it's a spear. Another guy touches the trunk. He says, oh, it's a snake. Another guy touches uh, the tail of the elephant and he says, you know, it, it's a fly whisk or something. Another guy touches the ear and he says, no, it's a giant fan. And so the parable is made to get us to think that, 
all the world religions and all the perspectives of God are like these blindfolded men. We're all touching the same God. We're just experiencing him differently. So therefore, who am I to judge? Uh, I think it's a tree, you think it's a snake. But it's the same thing, right? And that sounds quite convincing. The claim of Christianity and the claim of Christmas is not that somehow our prophets are wiser than other prophets or we as Christians are cleverer and wiser and we've figured out what other people haven't figured out. The claim of Christmas is that the elephants took our blindfolds off and said, hey, I'm an elephant. He revealed himself to us in order that we might not just know about this God, but in order that we might actually know him. And this is what John is trying to get us to understand. This is what Christmas is truly about. And so being a Christian is not just about praying a prayer. Being a Christian is about knowing, knowing this King, knowing God in Jesus Christ. This is why one of the Christmas carols that we love, O come all ye faithful, describe Jesus as word of the Father, word of the Father now in flesh appearing. You see, in Christmas, Christ did not bring a revelation from God. In Christmas, Christ is the revelation of God. Does that make sense? He didn't come with some knowledge about this being up there. He says, you know me, you know God, and I want to know you. And so as we end off this morning, two big questions. The first question is this, is do you know Jesus? Just think about the chocolates. I'm not asking is, can you tell the Christmas story to your kids? I'm not asking is, can you give a basic few sets of ideas about who you believe Jesus to be? I'm not asking is, do you go to church sometimes? The question I'm asking is, have you tasted the chocolates? Is there something in what John was saying about Jesus? And he says, I want you to know him the same way. Do you know Jesus in that way? I don't have time to go into all of the details, but the scriptures continue to teach us that to know Jesus means to accept him as king, accept him on his terms. He is the one who said, this is what I'm like. We don't get to make up things about him. We don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to say, I like those things. I don't like those things, or I don't really understand what's going on there. So I'm gonna keep it simple. When Jesus says, this is who I am, this is what I'm like. We accept him on those terms. What are those terms? He is king. It's not just to buddy, although he is a wonderful counselor. He's not a butler, someone that you have in your life so that you can get the things you really want. Just rub the magic lamp, say the right prayers, and Jesus gives you your heart's desires. He's king. Which means the way we know him is by submitting to him. But he's not just any king. He's not there to intimidate with his us with his power. Christmas shows us how he wants to be known. And this king wants to be known by coming alongside you. And then this king acted very unkingly, something a Caesar would never do, something presidents would never do. And that is this king laid down his life for us. This king laid down his glory in order that he can deal with the real things that separate you from him and you from eternal life. And so as Jesus died on that cross, he dealt with sin and he dealt with death 
He didn't say, hey guys, as my subjects, if you want me to love you and bless you, just deal with the sin in your life and try and do something about death and then we can talk about a relationship. He said, here's what's separating us. And so I'm gonna deal with it. I'm gonna take responsibility for sin and I'm gonna take responsibility for death. I'm gonna deal with it so that when you're in a relationship with me, you don't have to worry about the consequences of those things. So do you know Jesus? The Apostle John writes elsewhere, just quoting Jesus, he says, where Jesus says, eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. So like Jesus up there, gives you a little bit of eternal life. He gives you eternal life by saying, know me. And so today you can know Him and begin tasting eternal life, which will be seeded this morning and will go on into all of eternity. Do you know Jesus? The second question is, are you growing in your knowledge of Jesus? Not a perfect metaphor. I want you to imagine a single mom The single mom just struggles greatly for her children. Works two jobs. Does everything that she can to provide for them, provide schooling for them and and university fees for them and provide love for them and provide a home for them and just make sure that they looked after spiritually and emotionally and physically and all their needs are met. Imagine the kids go off to varsity. She never hears from them again except for every couple of years a card at Christmas time. And if you heard that story, you'd want to sit these kids down and say, guys, you clearly don't understand what your mother has done for you. You clearly don't understand what she sacrificed for you. You clearly don't get how much she loves you. And by your behavior, we clearly see you don't have any true love for her. And in the same way, sometimes we as Christians, we're happy to engage this thing called Christianity. We're happy to get everything that Jesus gives us. Hey, give me peace, give me blessings, give me life, give me eternal life. And then the next time Jesus hears from us is Christmas next year. The kind of equivalent of a little religious Christmas card. Thanks, Jesus. And if an onlooker was looking on, he'd say... Clearly, if that's how you're knowing him, clearly you don't get it. Clearly you don't get how much he sacrificed for you. Clearly you don't get how much he loves you. And clearly by your behavior, you don't actually love him. So my question is not, did you pray a prayer one day and you carried on life as usual? My question is, are you growing in your knowledge just like I grow in my knowledge of my wife and my knowledge of my kids through very intentional relationship. Are you growing in your knowledge of Jesus? And so I want to pray for us this morning. And I'm, I'm trusting that at some point, God just put his finger on something in your heart or to make you feel bad or condemn you, but to invite you to something more. So please pray with me. Father, we thank you that in Christmas we see the extent to which you want to make yourself known and know us by coming into our world and by you dealing with what lies between us.
And Holy Spirit, your word says that one of your roles is to help us know Jesus in this way. And so if you're here this morning and and you're just wanting to, in your heart, there's something burning in you and you're saying either for the first time, I don't think I know Jesus, but I want to. I'm just asking you in your seat right there. I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm just gonna ask you to whisper something back to God. Yes, I want to know you that way. Maybe this is your first time in church, 30 years. Maybe you've been in church twice a week for the last 30 years but it's been religion, it's been dead, it's been dry. And you want to know Jesus in a personal way. Just whisper that desire to Him in your heart. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to know Jesus that way. So Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. But I want to ask you maybe question two, maybe you you have had an experience, maybe you do know that you've tasted Him and and you have known Him, but somehow you slipped off the tracks back into your own life and you're king of your own life right now. And you've just heard the invitation to not just start doing more religious things. It might involve living a more obedient life, but it's going to start with knowing Him more and growing in a relationship of knowing Him. And if that's you, just whisper that to God right now. And so Holy Spirit, I thank you how you're inviting us to real life. And between all the carols and the lights and the presence, you're getting to the heart of what Christmas is about, about a king who comes into our world to be known. And Holy Spirit, would you empower this journey of knowing this Jesus? And pray this in Jesus' name.